Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, politicians keep arguing over the very definition of inflation as Americans deal with the ramifications of that soaring inflation and the after effects of a pandemic. But will all this fighting prevent us from actually having the crucial conversation about what to do about the economy? Can the economy be fixed with some word play and some headlines? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, I don't think wordplay will fix the economy. As someone who uh, has done a deep dive on where we are and what we could actually do about all of this is Scott Lincecum, Senior Fellow in Economic Studies at the Cato Institute, a visiting lecturer at Duke University Law School, and the author of the Capitalism Substack, which is part of the Dispatch Network. And uh, Scott, thanks for joining us today, and uh, thank you for calling out the fact that uh, just trying to define what a recession is or is not is not going to get us to any kind of solution. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, so let's let's dive in. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there is a lot of debate from the left and the right and a few people in between uh, of the definition. Uh, but where are we really? And does it really matter what the definition is? <laughs> well, let me answer the the first one. Uh, I think only in politics does it matter where we we are uh, in terms of uh, the recession. Um, the the fact is that the economic data are really murky. Um, you can make a very legalistic, formalistic argument that, based on past economics textbooks and certain things in statutes that uh, we just hit the technical definition of a recession because we had two quarters of negative GDP growth. Um, but you can also dig into those numbers, as I did uh, in, my, in my newsletter, and say, look, you know, there are some things that are, are soft, some things that are problematic. Inflation certainly is a big one. Um, certain areas of investment are a problematic. But um, there are also still a lot of areas of strength. And, of course, since I wrote that, um, we had a really massive jobs report last Friday right. that showed that the labor market's still very hot, maybe even too hot, given you know, inflation and wage pressure concerns. Um, but that also, importantly, the GDP calculation itself is uh, rife with problems. It's a really clunky aggregate of a lot of different economic data. And for the last two quarters, we've seen some pretty wild swings in some of the 
factors that make up the GDP calculation that really have nothing to do with Joe Biden's economic policies or the state of the U.S. economy, but really have to do with things like the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, and that's um, trade stuff and, and inventories. And so, um, you know, so, so really the, the answer is um, we're in a really unsettled spot. Um, we have some figures that are like employment that are looking pretty good. Um, we have other figures that are looking pretty bad. Uh, and then, you know, we have some in between. Um, and the, the best course of action is really, uh, in terms of policy, to stop arguing over the silly definition of inflation and start digging into those data points and really trying to figure out, well, where can policy be better? What have we done wrong? Um, and how can we get out of this? Yeah, so, so important. And uh, I loved in your piece how you, you kind of had the team for recession that was mostly Republicans and the right, the team, yeah. this is not a recession, mostly the left and Democrats. Uh, and uh, as you were going through all of those definitions, I uh, it just popped into my head. We use this a lot of time on the show, and that is if you're complaining about the rules or the referees or the definitions, it's because you're losing. Uh, and so yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think we're all losing because neither both sides are so worried about arguing about the rules and who the referee is to determine if it's a recession. Yeah that we're not getting to that policy that you're talking about. So let's get into that policy side of the equation. As you look at it, where are some of those opportunities where both sides could say, okay, uh, definitions uh, set to the side. Here's a policy that will make things better for the American people. Yeah. So there are, there are, I think a few areas that are really ripe for reform. Now, before I get to that, I I would note that, yeah, unfortunately we spent a, we spent more than a week of basically every Republican, every Democrat, the white house and everybody arguing over the definition of recession. So a lot of wasted time when time is of the end. Um, But there are, you know, uh, on the demand side of things, you know, there's supply and demand and when economic policy on the demand side of things, I mean, really most of that these days is in the feds hands. Um, The federal reserve is Eager is, you know, vigorously trying to slow economic activity, but not bring it to a screeching halt. So this type of soft landing, and that's going to happen through monetary policy. Um, but uh, the the federal government, the Congress and the White House do have some levers on the supply side that they could be pulling. Um, unfortunately, they, they really don't seem very interested in those. I mean, and a lot of that is on uh, the trade side. Um, we have a bunch of tariffs in place on uh, a lot of products that um, if we waived or eliminated those tariffs, we could save American families hundreds of dollars per year. Um, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't solve inflation, but it, it'd give everybody a little price relief, which would be nice. Um, it also help manufacturers and businesses that are struggling with supply chain problems and the rest. Um, we have another law out there called the Jones Act, which restricts shipping between U.S. ports. Um, We could waive or repeal that, um, and that would lower gas prices a little bit uh, by, you know, 10 cents a gallon, give or take, maybe a little more. Um, And then we have, um, you know, immigration policies. We have a massive backlog of visa applications right now. So this is lawful immigration. People just standing in virtual line, waiting to get into the country lawfully. Um, That backlog is now into the millions and millions of potential Mm. workers, something that we could really use right now in the middle of labor shortages across the country, particularly 
uh, labor shortages in things like agriculture and construction and warehousing and temporary employment, you know, lifeguards at the beach and so forth, that are typically staffed by immigrant workers. Um, and that, again, would just help the supply side of the economy try to churn through a lot of these hiccups that were caused by the pandemic and, and related problems. But like I said, you know, Congress really doesn't seem, uh, the White House doesn't really seem interested in getting into that. That's hard, right? That's politically difficult stuff. And instead, um, they just want to argue about whether we're in the technical definition of a recession. Yeah, so important to get to that. And I, and uh, we have a standing rule on this program, Scott, that anybody who references the Jones Act uh, gets bonus points. I, uh, <laughs> I worked for a guy who spoke of little else uh, on a lot of days as uh, something yeah. that we could do very simply. Uh, that could really make a difference. Scott Linscombe, Senior Fellow in Economic Studies at the Cato Institute, visiting lecturer at Duke University Law School, and of course the author of the Capitalism Substack. Substack. It's part of the Dispatch Network. It's great reading and it's great thinking. Uh, Scott, thanks for getting us beyond just the headlines and the argument over definitions and actually into the policies that could make a difference for the American people. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. All right. Uh, Scott is great. And uh, that is some really good stuff uh, in terms of what Congress could be doing. Again, uh, Scott rightly pointed out some of this is in the Fed's hand, but it doesn't mean that members of Congress can just throw up their hands and say, we don't have any control. It's all in the Fed. There's nothing we can do. Point fingers, place blame and argue over definitions of recession. Uh, Instead, we should get to the hard work and heavy lifting of real policy making, uh, real policies with not just fancy titles, uh, but impact in our communities, and for hardworking, tax-paying Americans. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.